Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for that kind welcome. And uh, to give you a little bit more background, um, Dan Leanne is my name. Uh, born and raised in Melbourne, Australia. That's the reason my voice is this way. Uh, my mother and father are Malaysian Chinese. That's the reason my face is this way. Um, I now live in Anderson, South Carolina, where I get to serve as a teaching pastor at a church called New Spring. And I spent the week uh, here this week. Um, where were we? We're in Harrogate uh, with the Elam. Um, leadership summit. So all the pastors from across the Elam movement uh, here in England got together and I will go on record to say that the best of the lot uh, were pastors Mark and Kathy. We just love them so much. Just such gracious people with so much wisdom, so seasoned, but so youthful in spirit. Um, he, and, he and Jordan are basically twins. And uh, you, you know you're going to be um, in a good situation for the years to come when you have um, a seasoned couple uh, with a youthful spirit um, steering the ship. So how about you guys, come on, honor Pastors Mark and Kathy here in this room. We just love them so much. Well, we had a great time in our 9 a.m. gathering. I don't know if it was recorded, but if you want to hear the message from the 9 a.m. gathering, you can uh, buy the cassette tape. Remember the old days when there were cassette tapes? You can buy the cassette tape, uh, download it, podcast it, YouTube it, copy it, preach it. Um, originality is the uh, art of hiding the source. So if you want to take it and steal it, make it yours, it's all yours. Uh, but I really felt compelled in the spirit to, to preach a different message in this service, um, especially in the light of some of the songs that we were singing in worship. And uh, there was a line in one of the songs, and we'll go back to it a little bit later on, but that, that song cornerstone, singing about Jesus being the Lord over all, and how he's the Lord of good days, how he's the Lord of bad days, how he's the Lord of sunny days, and how he's the Lord of the storm. And um, I just felt so compelled in the spirit to talk about storms this morning. Can we do that? We're going to talk about storms. Um, not physical, meteorological storms, but, but metaphoric, everyday storms. We've all experienced storms at different parts in our journey. Uh, we're doing life and everything seems rosy, everything seems calm, everything seems clear. But then all of a sudden, the clouds gather, the storm brews, and then it hits. And our lives are shaken, and our lives are rocked. And sometimes in the middle of the storm, you will sense God so close. There are times when He's going to come through and break through with a provision, with a miracle, with a healing, with encouragement. There are times in the storm where you will feel God closer than ever. But if we were to be real right now, there are also times in the storm when God goes a little bit quiet. Where He's maybe not as close as you may feel comfortable. In fact, there are times in a storm where it will feel like the God of this universe goes incredibly silent. Now, you never doubt His love. His love was proven once and for all on a cross. But God demonstrates His love for us in this, that whilst we're still sinners, Christ died for us. A bloodstained cross proves his love. We don't question that. We don't question his power because we know he's powerful. 
We know that creation declares, the heavens declare, everything around us declares that God's hand is mighty. It's strong. A blood-stained cross proves that Jesus, the God of this universe, is loving and empty too, proves to us that He's powerful. But if we were to be real, we'd have to admit that sometimes in the middle of the storm, when He's gone a little bit silent, even though we know He's loving and even though we know He's powerful, we ask the question, where is this love? Where is this tangible power right now? And it's so important for us as a faith community to wrestle with these real questions that real people wrestle with. Because if we don't deal with the silence in a biblical, God-honoring way, silence in your faith journey over an extended period of time will become discouraging. It will eventually become destructive. And God does not want you to be discouraged. God doesn't want your faith to be destroyed. So He gives us the Word of God and the Spirit of God to help us navigate those seasons when it feels like He's gone just a little bit silent in the storm. So we're going to talk about silence in the storm for a few minutes. I got told that if I stick to time in this service, I'm going to be taken out for some free Nando's. And if you want to know something about me, I'm all about that free Nando's. So we're going to preach for a little bit. The Holy Spirit is going to move the whole time as He's been moving already. We're going to experience great encouragement in the middle of our silence. And then we're going to go eat a chicken pack together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. And we're going to talk about silence in the storm. Lord Jesus, we love you. Father God, we exalt you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way. Arrest our attention. Grip our hearts. Not let go. And speak to us this morning about where you are when it feels like you're being silent in the storm. And everybody who's grateful for Portuguese chicken said, Amen. <laughs> Silence in the storm. I remember a storm that my wife and I, Krista, went through a couple of years ago. The storm came in the form of our firstborn child, Caitlin. I was relatively confident coming into having our first child. I'd read a couple of books. I was a youth communicator, so Caitlin being born as a young person, I felt we were going to get each other. And sure enough, when Caitlin first came along, those first couple of months were smooth sailing. She ate well, she slept well, she even smiled for pictures. I was considering writing a book. But then something started happening after six months that didn't stop happening for two years. At 11 p.m. and then again at 1 a.m. and then again at 3 a.m. and then again at 4.30 a.m. and then again at 5.30 a.m. My little baby girl would rise up out of her slumber and begin to cry. I'm not talking about cute baby tears that make you want to take a camera out and take a picture of it for all posterity. I'm talking about the blood-curdling screams that make you want to flick holy water on her and see something flies out. That kind of crying. 
And so my wife and I went through this extended season of sleep deprivation. My wife was going through something called mastitis as well, which is all the men here in this room, if you've got nothing to be grateful for today, just be grateful that you're not a woman who's gone through mastitis because it's vicious. And so she went through that pain, but then also the pain of feeling that she was failing as a mother. And here I am at the same time trying to support the girl who was my best friend since we were 13 years old, going through the hardest season of her life. So here we found ourselves night after night after night on this black couch in our living room, crying wife, crying baby, me nearly crying but not crying because I'm a manly man, <laughs> experiencing a storm. As clear as a phone ringing in a quiet room, it was evident that this storm was something that we had to navigate. But this storm was a little bit different than storms that I had seen in the past. See, in the past, when the clouds gather and the storm brews and it hits and my life is shaken, there were times where I cried out to God and nearly instantaneously He reacted and responded. A word, a vision, uh, an encouragement, a provision. There have been so many times where God had shown Himself mighty to save in the middle of my storm. But in this situation, for some reason, God went uncomfortably quiet. I was doing everything right. We're sitting there on this black couch in our living room and I'm praying every single prayer that I know how to pray. Those desperate prayers. You know those desperate prayers where you start begging heaven nearly in an untheological way where you start doing deals. Hey God, if you just help us sleep one night, I will just like, I'll give you my soul and I will serve you the rest of my days and you can do, I'll do it for fruit. You know, like, <laughs> hey, if I got any like kind of credit in the, the God bank, I'll just cash it. It's all like theologically incorrect, but you just be doing those kind of crazy prayers in the middle of the night but night after night we found ourselves in the same place crying wife crying baby me nearly crying but not crying because i'm a manly man with silence in the storm it felt like my prayers were bouncing off the ceiling have you ever experienced that feeling before so i thought to myself if the prayer wasn't going to do it i'm going to take it to the next level i'm going to bring worship into it so i pull out our worship albums and we start playing Darling Czech is singing over, the, over my baby. She's just singing. She's shouting unto the Lord. But, but, but no silence. Just, just more shouting from my child. You know what I'm saying? And, and it felt like there was silence in the storm. I thought maybe if Darlene can't do it, I'm going to wheel out the really big guns. I'm going to bring Joyce Meyer into this. So i got that Christian TV playing. So, Christian, so Joyce Meyer is preaching. Darlene is singing. I'm praying these prayers. But night after night, silence in the storm. As we found ourselves back in the exact same place, caught up in the most soul-crushing deja vu scene. Silence in the storm. And because I'm a part of a faith community throughout this entire journey, there are segments of every faith community who will remain nameless, women, who will come forward with incredible pieces of advice on how to get your baby to go to sleep. Had this beautiful old Asian lady come and tell me what I need to do was to boil some Chinese tea and to pour it on my daughter's back. What would happen is a black hair would grow out, I needed to shave off that black hair and then my baby girl would go to sleep. So here I am in the middle of the night, praying prayers, Darlene singing, Joyce is preaching, the kettle is boiling, because that's how you get. When you find yourself in the middle of a storm and it feels like God's gone quiet. 
And before all you Caucasian people get on your child-rearing high horses, there were some crazy white remedies too. <laughs> and this older Australian lady told me I needed to get my baby, wrap her tightly in a towel, put her on a washing machine and turn it on. <laughs> Pastor Kathy's actually going, Dan, that would actually work. <laughs> because the rocking motion would simulate being in the womb again. So here you are in the middle of the night, you're praying every single prayer, you know, darling, singing, Joyce is preaching, the kettle is boiling, your baby's on the washing machine. <laughs> but that's how you get when you find yourself in the middle of a storm, but it feels like God's gone quiet. It's distressing. It's disturbing. It's discouraging. And it was becoming destructive. Have you experienced a season of silence in a storm that may not pertain to sleep deprivation or a baby who won't sleep, but maybe it's a financial storm? You're doing everything right by the book. You're sowing, you're giving, you're tithing, you're claiming him as Jehovah Jireh, clap your provider. You're going along to kind of financial classes. You're doing everything right by the book, but for some reason you feel like you can never get ahead. You look at the people around you and it feels like they're experiencing depths of favor and blessing that you would love to taste as well. But it feels like somehow you've been overlooked. And in the quiet of your soul, you ask this question. Am I ever going to make these ends meet when it feels like the ends are running away from one another? And where are you, God? When it feels like you're being quiet in the middle of my financial storm. How about those relational storms? Again, like a phone dinging in a quiet room. It's as clear as anything. People experience that when Pastor Mark shared that word before about people going through a relational storm, having a relational issue. That landed somewhere and it was so much more than just a general guess. That was the Holy Spirit stirring in his heart to bring an encouragement to you. But you know what it's like to go through a relational storm and it feels like it continues to rage. And you're praying for healing, and you're praying for hope, and you're praying for a resolution, but it feels like instead of getting better, it's just getting worse. And you ask this question, where are you in the middle of this relational storm? How about those family storms, mums and dads? They're called teenagers. Just a couple of years ago, they were so sweet and innocent, 11 years old, 12 years old, and 13 years old. It's like someone snuck them, the, basically, you know, the, the, the manual or the handbook on how to make your life miserable. And then all of a sudden, you know, they never studied in their life, but for some reason, it looks like they've studied that book really well now. And you're asking this question, what is going on? And what exacerbates the pain is that you look at your other friends who have got teenagers as well, and instead of them going crazy, it looks like they're just getting more and more plugged into the house. And you find yourself comparing yourself as you look at your friends, teenage kids, and you're asking this question as you boom out to God every single night. Do you care about my teenage kid? Why does it feel like that my son or my daughter is becoming more and more like the prodigal son or that prodigal daughter? Why are you being so quiet in the middle of my storm? How about those marriage storms? We experience them. You thought getting married would be like checking into a field full of flowers where you could frolic forever, but when you stepped into marriage, you just stepped into World War III. <laughs> and it bugs you. Because you find yourself asking these questions, what have I done? 
And you're praying those prayers. You're asking the God who you made a covenant with to somehow heal this marriage, to open up lines of communication again. But it feels like instead of getting better, it just grows worse. You find yourself in the middle of a marriage storm and it feels like God's gone quiet. How about those singleness storms? I journey with young adults all the time, but the more and more I pastor, the more and more I see it's not just a young adult issue. I see people wrestling with that question deep in their soul. Am I ever going to find the one? There's some young women here in this room, or maybe not so young women in this room, who are going, I'm, I'm like not even looking for Mr. Right right now. I just want Mr. Like kind of close enough. Like, close, like, like, I'm doing everything right by the book. I'm like kind of like just staying pure and being holy and kind of like just like dating Jesus in the meantime and I kind of, you're doing everything we laugh right now but some weren't laughing last night. Am I right? Because it's difficult. Where are you Jesus in the middle of my singleness storm? Why does it feel like everybody around me is finding the one who completes them but I'm the one who is alone again on a Saturday night? How about those health storms? That sickness, that disease, that ailment, that, that disability. You've heard it so many times before that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. You've seen the testimonies before on the video screens. A cancer shrunk, legs restored, eyes that have been opened, the dead have been raised. You've heard it before, but where's your miracle? I've asked these questions. I've done everything right by the book. I have lived a life in such a way that God, He should be pleased with it. Why this then? Where are you in the middle of my health storm? Here is the reality. And in the strangest way, it should bring you at least some measure of comfort. No matter who you are or where you're at, in your journey here on this earth, we are all knit together by this common thread. At some point in our journey, we will experience a storm. And if you've done any level or any measure of faith journeying, you would have experienced a season where it felt like this good God of the universe goes uncomfortably quiet. And like I said, we have to wrestle with this question. Where are you? Because that silence can become discouraging. Yeah. That silence can become distressing. And that silence undealt with will become destructive. Yeah. But glory to God, He doesn't want us to experience that destruction. So He gives us the Word of God, the Spirit of God, come on, the people of yeah. God, the family of God to process through yeah. where He is when it feels like He's gone just a little bit quiet in our storm. So if you want to know where Jesus is when He's silent in your storm, go to the Bible. Because the Bible is an archaic piece of literature from back in the day. The Bible is a living, breathing conversation that God wants to have with us today. So if you have Bibles, go with me to the book of Mark chapter 4. Everyone say Mark. Mark. Say Mark like an Australian. Mark. Mark. Say Mark like an American. Mark. Mark. Say Mark like a Chinaman. Mark. Awesome. I taught you languages. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. 
I just love the fact they're going to be like just brothers all over Nando's this afternoon, just giggling to themselves. Going, <laughs> Mark chapter 4, verse 35. This is a story about a time when Jesus went quiet in his disciples' storm. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall, that's a massive storm, comes up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I love this story because I can relate to this story. Just a group of disciples. Ordinary, average, everyday people, just like me, trying to do a journey with Jesus, trying to stick close, trying to make sure that this life, this side of eternity is an adventure. They get into a boat and they go into the other side, and while they're on their way, a furious squall hits their boat. A massive storm brews and hits, and their world is shaken. Jesus is in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples would ask a question we've all asked at some point. Hey, Jesus, do you care if we drown? Don't look at me so holy. We ask that question. Hey, Jesus, do you really care that much about my finances? Jesus, do you see my business and what we're going through? Hey, Jesus, do you see this ache in my heart as I journey through singleness? Hey, Jesus, you see this family of mine? We're going crazy. Hey, Jesus, I'm sitting here by my beautiful wife in a hospital bed and I'm asking you questions. Jesus, do you care if we go under? Eventually, in Jesus' time, he wakes up turns to the wind, turns to the waves, says, quiet, be still. Peace is restored. Revelation is revealed. But more about that later. I want to ask this simple question in our last few minutes together. Where was Jesus? No. Where is Jesus? When it feels like he's gone quiet in our storm. Point number one. Where is Jesus when it feels like he's gone quiet in your storm? Number one, he is still in your boat. Come on, he is still in your boat. I need you to turn to your neighbor and just let him know, hey, neighbor, he is still in your boat. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. The one who promised to be with you to the very end of this age is keeping his promise right now. Come on. He's a great promise maker and a grand promise keeper. And he is still in your boat. That's where he was. He was still in the boat. When the going got hot, Jesus didn't get going. There wasn't an escape hatch that Jesus used and left there. No, he was still in the boat. As the rain fell on the disciples, the rain was falling on Jesus. 
Come on, as the waves were tossing the disciples, the waves were tossing Jesus. If that boat capsized and the disciples would have to make a swim for shore, Jesus would have capsized and would have to make a swim slash walk for shore because Jesus was still in the boat. Emmanuel, God forever with us. That's why I gave my heart to Jesus in my first year of university. I didn't go through a crazy period of pain in my life. I didn't, I didn't um, have an individual come, uh, come to me and, and testify to me or, or witness to me. I came to Jesus because I simply asked this question, how are you different than every other world religion that has graced the face of this earth? Is Christianity basically the same thing as everything else, just with a slightly different smell? Or is there something unique? And I found the one unique trait of Christianity that sets it apart and gripped my heart and has held my life ever since. Every other world religion is about living your life in such a way that somehow you can earn your way to get out of this life here today and into a better place. Whereas Christianity and the gospel isn't about us living our lives in such a way so that we can get out of here, but a God who was so lovingly and so loving that he would come from heaven, come on down to earth to live with us. Amen. Come on. Every single day. Religion is about us getting out of here. Christianity is about God getting into us. And he, come on, is still in your body. Sitting at the dinner table, looking at your bills, still in your bone. Sitting in your house, watching Netflix a lot, he's still in your bone. Sitting in a hospital room, wondering where to from here, in your bone. If you get nothing else, here this afternoon. Walk out of here knowing this Jesus, if you would let him, would remain in your body. Number two, he's still in control. Say in control. Got a little bit of attitude. He's in control. He is in control. Can you see here in the story, he's in the boat and he's sleeping. Now, some people on the surface would suggest that he was sleeping because he didn't care. Some people say that Jesus was being apathetic, nonchalant. He didn't love him. He was sleeping while they were going through their hardest time. But remember I said before, a bloodstained cross proves once and for all how Jesus feels about us. He loves us. So we must conclude that when Jesus slept, he wasn't sleeping because he didn't care. He slept because he wasn't stressed. He was sleeping like a baby, if you will. Well, your baby, not mine. Jesus slept in that boat that day because he is Alpha, he is Omega, he is beginning, he is end, he is writer, director, producer, the star of this movie, and he knows exactly when the final credits are going to roll, and he knew in that moment the final credits were rolling in. And if the disciples paid more attention, and if we paid more attention, we would have heard Jesus already let them know how this was all going to play out, because he said, let us go over to the other side. He didn't say, hey, today it looks like a nice day to go into the middle of a lake to drown. He said, we're going to the other side. He was in total and absolute control. And I need you to hold on to that in faith. Come on, I need you to get that deep into your spirit. Come on, I need you to look in the mirror tomorrow morning and say, you know what? Not only are you Jesus in my boat, but you are still in control. 
Colossians chapter 1 tells us that he's the firstborn over all creation. Through whom everything was created. For whom everything was created. In whom everything is held together. He's literally got the whole world in his hands. Every ion, every particle, every element has its place because of the person of Jesus. If Jesus wasn't around, everything that we would know would discombobulate and blow apart. Because of Jesus being around, everything we know is held together. And that includes your life. Come on, that includes your family. Come on, that includes your health. Come on, that includes your bank account. Everything is held together by the person of Jesus. He is still in control. No, is he still in control? The third thing I need you to get deep into your spirit. In his time, by his grace, for his glory, he will act. He will act. I love how this story comes to an end. Jesus is there sleeping on a cushion. The rain is falling. The disciples are freaking. But he's still in the boat. He's still in control. Somehow they finally wake Jesus up. I don't know how that went down. I could imagine the conversation. The disciples are all holding on. Young men raised on the Sea of Galilee. Seen bad weather patterns before. But this was a big one. They're going under. They're all bugging each other. Hey, someone should wake up the master. And they're going, well, yesterday we saw a dude get raised from the dead. I don't want him to do kind of the reverse. And so I don't want to wake him up. And so they're all kind of rocking. But hey, you should say something. Hey, Pete, you should say something. You always like shooting your mouth off. And then Pete goes, nah, he called me Satan yesterday. I don't want to push it today. <laughs> Yo, Judas, you should say something. I don't know. He always looks at me funny. And so so basically, the disciples somehow have a powwow, wake Jesus up, and then he turns to the wind and to the waves and says, quiet, be still. Hey, Kevin, can you give um, whoever's playing keyboard the, the, the Jesus wink so he can like s- slip up like, like, a, like, like a little keyboard ninja to start playing minor keys in the background? That make us all feel like kind of emotional and receptive. <laughs> Perfect. This is the same thing as like when you're on a flight and they say, oh, you know, uh, bring your seats back to upright, store your tray tables away, lift your window shades. Basically, we're coming in for a landing. That's the same thing, okay? That's just basically Jesus coming in for a landing. And have you ever noticed how Jesus feels more present in the room when the keyboards are playing in the background? Have you ever noticed that before? Can we just start playing something in the background here? Just use that little sustain pedal there. Give us a little bit of keys. Come on, let's go. Let's go. No pressure. No rush. It's just that ticket. Let's go. Let's go. Wait, hit, hit me something. Hit me something. Minor chords. Minor chords. Go, go. Okay, stop. See, he's gone now. Now he's back. Come on. Let's go. All right, here we go. He will act. All right, you can start playing now. He will act. I want to let you know he will act. He turns to the wind, he turns to the wave, he says, quiet, be still. Yeah. Don't you just love that little nuance? He didn't even have to like debate with the wind. He just looked at the wind and said, <laughs> that quiet, be still, literally, in the original Greek, it's a scolding to- tone. Or, uh, do you have, has anyone, was anyone raised with a mother who didn't even have to yell? She just like gave you that look. You know what I'm saying? My dad, when he'd be angry, he'd be like ranting and raving and his head be throbbing and things be thrown around and he's like doing this and that. And I was like, yeah, whatever. But my mother goes, oh! (laughs) Jesus gives creation. 
the most powerful force that these young men had ever experienced. A look. And it's calm. Don't ever allow a season of silence that you go through, come on, to diminish your revelation of the power and the majesty and the ability and the provision of God. Can someone say a good amen to that? He's just as powerful as he's ever been. Can I take you to Sunday school for 30 seconds? Can I remind you how powerful he is? No matter what storm you're going through, he's the same God who created the heavens and the earth in, in six days and still had a day off to go watch English Premier League. Come on, he's the God <laughs> who brought forth the nation of Israel from a pensioner and his barren wife. Come on, he's the God. Come on, who split a Red Sea with nothing but a stick and a gust of wind. Come on, he's the God who brought down the walls of Jericho with nothing but a, but, but a song and a blow and a trumpet. Come on, he's the God. Come on, he brought down the giant Goliath with nothing but a sling and a stone. Come on, he's the God who can close the mouth of the lion, open the eyes of the blind, heal the sick, raise the dead, burn the church. Crazy. Save your crazy life. Come on. He is that same God. And he still, amen, has the power to act on your behalf. But in the meantime, don't miss it. He's doing some of his best work. There's going to be healing coming your way. I don't know how he's going to heal, but healing is coming your way. He's going to provide. Come on. Has anyone experienced provision from God before? Come on. If you haven't experienced a provision from God, just do this. That was a provision from God. Every breath that you take, every fabric of clothing, the roof over your head, the four tires on your car, that bus ticket you rode in on, God will provide. Hey, God will bring peace into your situation. He will act. But in the meantime, don't miss it. He's doing some of his best work. Don't you love the way that this story ends? You've got a bunch of disciples getting together going, who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Or in other words, we didn't know this about Jesus before today. But after this season of silence, we know this about him now. Or in other words, because Jesus is more interested in the faith that you're growing, in the men and women of God that you're becoming. Come on, sometimes he'll allow you to go through a season of silence knowing, come on, he's building something that couldn't be built yeah. in any other kind of environment. Amen. 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 <laughs> to me, Amazing Grace is not a him. It is him and everything he does because I needed it and he's come through with it. Come on, for me, he is truly Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, not because I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth and I've always had plenty, because I have known seasons of lack and he's always come through. I know him as Jehovah Shalom because I've gone through seasons of turmoil, but he has brought peace. He will act, but in the meantime, don't miss it. He's doing some of his best work. Can someone just receive that here this morning? So where is Jesus when it feels like he's gone quiet in your storm? He's still in your boat. He's still in control. And he will act. 
But in the meantime, come on, don't miss it. He's doing some of his best work. I wish I had a really cool miracle story I could basically wrap this up with. You know, regarding how he acted on behalf of my little girl, Caitlin, who wouldn't sleep. I wish I could tell you a story about one night I'm there with a crying wife and a crying baby and me nearly crying but not crying because I'm a manly man and then somehow the roof was torn open and an angel came in and put a coal in my daughter's mouth and said you will preach to the nations that's the reason you won't be quiet now I wish I had a, I wish I had that story I don't my baby girl eventually went to sleep because she got really tired but fear not my wife and I were smart enough to make another one So there we were again, <laughs> on the same couch in the same living room, crying wife, crying baby boy this time, me nearly crying but still not crying because I'm a manly man. But this time there was a difference. Come on, this time there was a peace. This time there was a confidence. So one night, my boy Josiah is just crying and crying and crying. My wife Krista turns to me, exhausted but still stunning. And she says to me, sweetheart, we're going to be okay. Because Jesus is still in our boat. And I said, I know. Because I taught you that. <laughs> I make no apologies. I like laughing. Come on, if, if church isn't the most joy-filled, laughter-filled, fun-filled, come on, yeah, you're doing church wrong. Because we have the God of the universe who loves us, who is the giver of all life. Come on, in our midst. No, living in our hearts. But I know there are some people here this afternoon who have gone through a season of silence. And what I'd like to do is just spend my last few moments with you praying. Is that okay? There are some people here this morning was saying, you know what, Dan, I've been through a season of silence or I'm going through a season of silence and it's been distressing, it's been discouraging, it's even been destructive. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I want to speak just peace and healing and wholeness over your soul as you've gone through this season and I'm going to believe, yes, for a miracle, yes, for a provision or a breakthrough, but before that, I'm going to believe that you're going to sense God closer than ever. You're going to know that He's still in your boat, that He's still in control. Come on, that He is going to act on your behalf. And even right now, He's doing something. So all over this room, if that's you, with every eye open and every head raised and everyone looking around, because my Nando's time is coming to a real, you know, is drawing near. Hey, if that's you here this afternoon, you're saying, you know what, Dan, I've been through one of those seasons. I'm going through one of those seasons right now. I've experienced that silence, that distress, that disappointment, that discouragement. But I want to sense Jesus in my boat like never before. Would you just lift your hand where you are right now? Come on, all over this room, if that's you. The Bible says that he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Your hand raised right now is just an act of humility. In the name of Jesus, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters here in this room. And I thank you, God that you see their humble posture and right now you are invading their life 
every corner of it, every part of it. And you're pushing out darkness and you're bringing forth light. You're pushing out discouragement and you're bringing forth the encouragement of your Holy Spirit. You're pushing out fear and you're bringing forth love. I thank you so much, Jesus, right now. You are moving on behalf of your children. We thank you that you're still in our boat. We thank you that you're still in control. We thank you that right now you are moving and showing yourself to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, this is praise God for what doing. I blew through my time, so I'm buying the Nandos. Alright? Not really. Can I just can we do a salvation call? Can we do this? Because there is someone here. And, and in the last 38 minutes, I know there are some, some people who have been thinking to themselves a couple of questions. Number one, um, where did this Chinese guy learn how to speak English? <laughs> Second of all, you've been just thinking to yourself, hey, I don't even know if Jesus is in my boat at all. It's nice that everyone else around here is feeling so encouraged and feel so comforted, comforted by having Jesus in their boat. But I don't even know if he's in my boat at all. And my friends, I need you to hear this. This is all Christianity is, remember? It's not about you living in such a way to get you out of the bad stuff in this earth up into heaven. It's about the God of this universe who loved you so much that he stepped into the bad stuff here on earth to get into your heart. So becoming a Christian isn't about clearing any legalistic bars. It's not about jumping through any religious hoops. It's about letting the God of this universe, Jesus Christ, be the captain of your boat. And the reason he should be the captain is because he's God. It's kind of silly to have the God of this universe in your boat and make him sit in the corner. So he needs to be Lord. But the cool thing is when you make him Lord, he becomes captain and savior. All right. So with every eye closed here in this room, I do that to give you a sense of privacy because this is a personal moment. If you're saying right now, Dan, Jesus isn't the captain of my boat, but I want to trust my life into his hands. I'm going to count to three and I want you to lift your hand where you are. And then I'm going to personally pray with you a simple prayer that invites him to be the captain of your life from here into forever. We're gonna clap for you, and then I'm gonna have a chat with you after the end of this service. So with every eye closed and no one looking around, if you're saying right now, Dan, Jesus is not the captain of my boat, but I wanna make him the Lord of my life. When I count to three, lift your hand where you are. Only, even if it's only one, just lift your hand where you are. Ready, on your marks, get set, go. One, two, three, lift your hand. If that's you, you're saying, I wanna make, I see your hand over here. I see your hand over here. I see your hand over there. I see your hand at the back there. That is so amazing. All right, I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you lifted your hand, I would love you to repeat this after me. In fact, we're all going to repeat it around you just to let you know that we love you and we're in this with you. Let's pray this together. Dear Jesus, Thank you for your love. I invite you. Lead me and guide me. Sail beside me. Help me by your spirit. 
live now for your glory. Amen. Come on, can you put your hands together for those who live with God? Like I said in the first service, if you lifted your hand, I would love to meet with you. If you're physically intimidated because I look like Jackie Chan on steroids, I absolutely get it. You can bring your friends, you can bring the bikey gang that you came here with, I don't care. What it takes, come and say hello. But if you don't want to come and chat to me and that's too much pressure, there are people around you who saw you lift your hand. And they're going to make it a point just to put a hand on your shoulder and say, friend, that was awesome. Can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? Can I maybe walk with you and grab a Bible or something like that? If you were around someone who lifted their hands, I want to encourage you to just let them know that you're with them, you're praying for them, and you're going to walk with them from here. Amen? Hey, you guys are amazing. Stunningly beautiful. It's an honor and privilege to be your friend. This church has got such a mission, such a call, such a grace. And I'm believing in the years to come here in Birmingham that songs are going to rise up, sermons will be preached, conferences will be run. The world around is going to lean into the church of God to heal wisdom because there is something here that isn't in the world. I'm telling you, it's coming. But make sure. As big as you grow, as far and as wide as the name BCC spreads, make sure, like I always say, that this simple gospel message of a God who comes to us is always the center point to which we return. May it be like a campfire we always warm ourselves by. And by the grace of God, may many thousands of people here in the city of Birmingham find space around that campfire as well. God bless you.